Welcome, my friends. Okay, okay. Podcast number 181. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And we are one week out from the election. And today my mother and I got out. We rocked the vote. Yes, we did. We went to a mobile voting spot. So one popped up not too far from our home. It was easy to just get in the car, get out there. It was a beautiful day in Boise. Cold, but not so cold. The sun was out. There weren't a lot of people there. So it was just, it was socially distanced, uh, very well put together. And uh, I thought it was just a really good way for my mom and I to get out and get our vote in, take care of, uh, take care of what we need to do. So that was really cool. That was really cool. I took half a day off work, was real excited about that. And it didn't take that long for us to get there. There weren't a lot of people. So I thought it was probably our best, best option. And uh, it just worked out really well that the mobile voting patrol or the, you know, the, the voting mobile uh, happened to be within a mile of our place. So, so that was good. That was good, my friends. And um, everyone get out there and vote, make a difference. Let's, let's see what we can do. Let's make America great again. Okay, here we are, podcast number 181, and this one, this one, my friends, is going to have a slight Buddhist overtone, and not so much about teaching Buddhism. I am a an authorized Buddhist teacher within the uh, Dzogchen lineage under my teacher, Dzogchen Kempochoga Rinpoche. I am the caretaker and head teacher and the president of the Boise Dharma Center. So yeah, I throw down. I throw down deep in the Dharma. But this is not so much a, a Dharma teaching per se. So don't get don't get all freaky deaky on me. But it is going to have some slight Buddhist overtones. And mostly what I want to talk about is is people's reaction to my one-handedness. Now, in most cases, people just ask me a very simple question you know, about what happened to my arm, uh, why am I like this? It all depends on age. But one thing I've noticed, one thing that I've noticed over my lifetime is that, you know, people ask certain questions based on their perspective, right? And it's mostly children. I remember once we were at some, I don't know, we were at some, not a festival, but it was a workshop. That's right. It was a workshop for my mother's chiropractor, uh, or it was some kind of celebration. I actually think it was a celebration because it was fairly festive. They had tables out and things like that. And and uh, this little girl wanted the candy on my desk, and she came up, and she was so sweet. She's like, hi, my name's Penelope. And I was like, hey, Penelope, my name's Alejandro. And she's like, can I have your candy? <laughs> And I, you know, I saw her mom and I was like, yeah, sure. And, and uh, she seemed a little uncomfortable about me not having two hands. And, and uh, I tried to work it out, but she, it just wasn't there. And then I was talking to the mom and she's like, well, her only experience with someone like you is the guy next door who's a veteran and lost his arm. And he's, you know, really hurt about it and angry about it. And that's her only reference point. So, you know, what can I do? You know, what? can I do? And then, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny people's perspective and how they interact with me and how they ask me questions, 
right? How they ask me questions. So I put a link down in my show notes on my on my website. If you go to my website and listen to my podcasts, I have one down there about uh, how do you ding your wing, right? And that was probably the greatest way anybody asked me what happened to my arm. And it was just this deep Idaho guy, real Western, can't really call him a cowboy. But he picked me up when I was biking across the country, drove me a few miles, you know, and we had a good conversation. And he just kind of leaned over and he's like, hey, partner, how'd you ding your wing? And it it was funny because I knew he was going to ask me what happened to my arm, but I did not expect that. I did not expect that to come out. And uh, and I've said this in a number of my professional talks and and whenever I'm on the road speaking, I learn a lot about you by the way you ask me how I am the way that I am. How you ask me how I am the way that I am tells me a lot about who you are and the way and why you are the way that you are. It's a great it's great insight into the qualities of who we are as individuals. Now I remember a long time ago I I, I mentioned this. I actually you know what I actually have a podcast about this, and I'll put it in the show notes. It's not on there now, but I'll put it in. And uh, it was when I was in college, I got in some trouble. I had to do some restitution work, and I was working at a soup kitchen, classic scenario, serving the poor, poor people of southern Indiana. And it was quite the learning curve. But I remember serving this woman. She had some older lady, you know, a little back country, Indiana, she had a big chaw in her mouth, right? I normally don't see women chewing. I've seen some girls chew, but no, she had a chaw in her mouth. And she she kind of looked like she'd been chawing for a while. And she was like, oh, look at your look at your arm. It looks like a possum. Looks like a possum. She's like, I think your mother was scared by a possum when she was pregnant. And that's why you came out like that. And I was like, holy beep, like WTF, get back. I thought, whoa, what? kind of experiences that, you know, like, and I've, I've heard about that, you know, it, it, children come out very different and it's, you know, based on some fear or terror that the mother has. I mean, you don't hear that every day. And it was, you know, 1988. Wow. Yeah, that, excuse me, got a little yawn on. Uh, that was... That just kind of set me back. I was not ready. I was not ready for that. But you know what? It's a great, it's a great, it's a great story to tell. And not that long ago, I was driving, I was driving to the Oregon Country Fair, and I always stop at this park in uh, Haynes, Idaho, Haynes, Oregon. There's a great park there. They still got a bunch of metal equipment, you know, which you never see anymore, and a, just a merry-go-round, all made out of metal. I'm on the merry-go-round by myself. A mother and daughter show up. And I can tell that the little girl wants to get on the merry-go-round. And she's like, well, mommy, he's on there. You know, what should I do? And she's like, oh, just go ask him if you can get on. And next thing you know, all of us are on the merry-go-round. And she keeps looking at me. And she's like, hey, mister, what what happened to your hand? <laughs> I was like, oh, I was I was born like this. And, and uh, I was like... I was like, where do you think my arm is? And she said, you know, I think I think it might be inside your mother's belly. <laughs> and her mom looked at me and said, you know, that's a pretty good answer. And I was like, you know what it is? I wanted to ask her how we could get it out. 
But they moved on, they moved on. And this is what I mean. You know, it's just just the interactions. In most cases, people are just asking me what happened to my arm, and then I learn a lot from that. But on very rare occasions, people kind of tell me what happened to my arm, like that woman with the possum, woman with the possum. You know, and then not, not that long ago, somebody just, I don't know where I was. She's like, oh, umbilical, blah, 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 blah. I, I was like, excuse me? And then she said it again as if I'm supposed to know what she was talking about. And then I, I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what are you trying to say? And she's like, oh, my, my daughter or my, my niece has the same condition you have. And that's because the umbilical cord was tied around the, your arm and it prevented the growth. And I was like, okay, I really have no idea what you're talking about. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I was like, that is the strangest opening to come up with. I mean, it almost made me uncomfortable. Almost. I, but more so, I just thought it was kind of rude, you know. And then many years ago at the Oregon Country Fair, and I've been going to the Oregon Country Fair basically, you know, from 1993 until like 2014 nonstop. One year I didn't go, 90, 96, 97 when I rode my bicycle across the country. Um, but, you know, I've had, I, I've had many a podcast about great experiences at the Oregon Country Fair. I mean just incredible one-handed experiences galore. And uh, this one time I was at this uh, Philly cheesesteak place, which can be kind of a funny thing to see at the Oregon Country Fair because, it's you know, it's very organic, very hippified. You know, there's a lot of vegan food. and, and uh, But I was just feeling like some something hearty. And, uh, yeah, you know what? I actually think it was, was 1999. Yeah, that was my golden fair. That was the 30th anniversary, and I turned 30 years old. And, oh, my word, it was one of my greatest experiences at the Oregon Country Fair. But I'm hanging out eating food, and this guy's sit. you know, he's standing next to me. We're just eating our food like it's no big deal. And, and he just kind of turned to me in a, in, and in a very nonchalant, straight-up, no pull a no punches statement and tone. His tonality was great. He was like, hey man, what's the story with the hand? And it was funny just the way that he said it. And I was like, I was like, you mean in this life or the past life or my past life? And that was kind of the Buddhist overtone. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, well, of course, you know, what happened in a past life? <laughs> and I was like, This is kind of the Buddhist opening, right? Because, you know, we be, you know, we believe in reincarnation. And what's important to understand about reincarnation is that it doesn't happen at the end of life only or at the beginning of life. That's what most people think. But it happens in every single moment. I reincarnate into the next moment. Because the past is gone and the future does not yet exist. So how is it that my thinking who I am, exists in the present moment. Every moment my thinking is reincarnating into the next moment. It's the only way that I can always exist in the present moment. The past is gone, and the future is not yet here. There's nothing in front of us and nothing behind us. Everything that's happening everywhere in the world is only happening in this present moment. It, it's totally, totally 
when you think about it, it's like viscerally bizarre, viscerally bizarre, because we have a basically a, a visceral feeling that, well, time exists kind of in a, a linear fashion. And even in that, even in that, you know, even if you don't believe in a future life or a past life, that's fine, because I'm pretty sure most people believe in yesterday and most people believe in the tomorrow. People are getting ready for tomorrow. So in a very small way, that is like the belief in a future moment and a past moment. Past does not exist. Future does not exist yet. Past is already gone. So there's nothing there. Right, but we are preparing for them. So in a real way, most people believe in some kind of future life, past life, or should I say future moment, past moment. So with this guy, I was like, oh, man, you really want to know, huh? And he's like, well, of course, you know, like, of course, I can kind of see that something happened in a past life for you to be like this. And I thought, this is a great conversation to have with this guy because he didn't look like your typical Oregon country fair cat. He didn't look hippified or nothing like that. You know, it didn't look organic. And well, basically, neither did I, right? So now I'll get back to that in a little, a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more in the in the future. <laughs> it's kind of funny to say after that whole thing. That's kind of funny to say. Um, but, you know, just recently I was in Nepal. I went to, I let, in 2020, right now, I went to Nepal. I left February 28th. And I had to really think about that because the coronavirus was really picking up. But still in the United States, we were still a little, we weren't getting the full truth. And everything was very confusing and a lot of disinformation and misinformation and incorrect information and a lot of conspiracy theories. And I thought, you know what, I'm going. I was going to go on a, excuse me, a Buddhist retreat. My teacher was teaching out in Nepal, and I wanted to go. So, uh, yeah, I paid for everything, and then, then he canceled due to the coronavirus. So I thought, oh, I should, I should still just go because it's a great opportunity. I came back on March 14th, and then like two days later, everything shut down. I barely made it back in the United States, and um, I had a great time in Nepal. Holy smokes, I had a great time in Nepal. Now, Nepal is known as a very Buddhist place, but it's mostly Hindu, Interesting, interestingly enough, and uh, there is a huge population of Nuwari, which are half Buddhist, half Hindu, which I have a little trouble wrapping my brain around. But, you know, there's some beautiful Hindu stuff there. But, I'm, you know, I'm Buddhist. I mostly went for the Buddhist stuff. Uh, Gautama Siddhartha, the person we refer to as the Buddha, was born in Lumbini, which happens to be in Nepal. I didn't get out to his uh, birthplace, and I, I plan on getting out there again next year, late next year, early fall, late summer, early fall, if everything works out with the coronavirus. Um, but I visited Swaibunath Temple and uh, Budanath Temple, which are two very famous Buddhist temples um, over there in Kathmandu. I spent most of my time in, in, in Kathmandu and... Uh, um, what am I trying to say? I had a very unique experience while I was uh, doing mantra practice and circling Budanath Temple, which is called circumambulation. It's a form of practice that we do. And, and uh, you know, I'd been going to Budanath Temple for a number of days. I was, I was looking for Dharma gear. You know, I buy and sell stuff online. 
Well, I mostly sell stuff to support my traveling. Actually, I made enough money selling uh, Buddhist practice supplies that I handcraft, put together, um, to pay for my plane ticket to Nepal, which was 1800 bucks total, both flights. So I thought that was pretty beneficial. The money that I make selling Buddhist gear, I, I, I use for Buddhist things. All that money goes into retreats and donations and, you know, going on these pilgrimages. Basically, I went on a solo pilgrimage, right? I did a lot of uh, praying. I did a lot of meditation. I did a lot of practice. I did a lot of circumambulation. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also looking for stuff to buy and sell, you know, uh, stuff that I can buy that I can sell online. Um, and I, I'd been frequently, uh, I'd been frequenting a store in an area, you know, I'm circumambulating. So, you know, shop owners start to see me more often. And of course, I'm a foreigner. I stick out a little bit. I don't have two hands and I'm praying, you know, I'm meditating. I'm doing mantra practice like a banshee, like a Buddhist banshee, just hours and hours a day. Um, so I stop and I'm looking at this stuff and this woman, you know, we're talking about the coronavirus and she's like, oh yeah, you know, Nepal, we eat some spicy food. We eat really healthy. We're really, you know, we're really safe and, you know, we're, we're concerned. Our biggest concern is that we don't have the infrastructure to, to deal with a pandemic the way the United States does like you do. Now, this is back in March, mind you. And it's so funny that she happened to say that because America, we look so bad right now globally. We're like the, the most advanced country in the world. We have great medical care, you know, but it's like somewhere we're a little stupid, right? Because we, we, we are like, we look so bad, so much coronavirus spreading here. And, you know, she's like, we're worried about that. Because we don't have the infrastructure. And here in the United States, we have the infrastructure. And we just crashed and burned. And right now, Idaho, we're, we're, we look bad in the United States. I mean, it's just, everything's, so much is spiking right now. It's sad. It's really sad. So I think it's interesting that she said that at that time. And then this is going on right now, you know. And we, we're just having these conversations. And then and then she's like, um, She's like, what do you what do you think happened to your she's like, what happened to your hand? I was like, oh, I was born like this. And she's like, oh, I wonder what happened in a past life that you were like this. And it's you know, it's interesting because now I'm in a very Buddhist country uh, and I'm actually like at Buddhanath Temple, which is the most famous Buddhist temple there. And, you know, she's obviously Tibetan. And, you know, we're <laughs> I'm just having a great moment because I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of Buddhists here. I'm in a Buddhist country. I'm Buddhist. People are circumambulating. There's malas everywhere. I'm at a shop owner who's Tibetan. She's selling Tibetan goods. She's asking me about my past life. And I didn't really want to tell her. I didn't really want to tell her. I was like, I want to know what she thought. So I was like, well, what do you think happened? And she's like, oh, I think maybe you stole something from your teacher. And then in this life, you don't have a hand because of it. And I was like, you know, it's really interesting. Typically when I'm having this conversation, and I told her this, I was like, usually when I'm having this kind of conversation with Buddhists, you know, mostly with Buddhists, uh, it always has kind of a negative overtone, like something, I did something bad in the past to have this result. Now, I think it's important to understand that in Buddhism, our belief system is that Everything is cause and effect. So if there is an effect, like having one hand, there must be a cause. And inside of that, 
right? Part of that belief system is we don't believe anything is random, right? Now, I don't want to get into it too much, but that's enough. Or this is basically going to turn into a Buddhist teaching, but we don't believe things happen for no reason. We don't believe anything happens without cause. That means random, right? So I was like, you know, it's interesting that most people think the cause of my one-handedness in this life has a negative overtone, like I did something bad. I was like, could you think of anything good? Maybe I did something good in a past life to be like this. And she looked slightly confused. And I get it, because I've had this conversation with people in our Buddhist center about like, well, what, you know, what kind of good thing could you do to lose your hand in a past life? Like, it's always negative. And I thought, well, okay, you know, what if, what if a mother and a, her children were in a car accident and the mother was pinned, her arm was pinned under the car? And, and to save her children's life, she would easily cut off her hand, easily. Like, wouldn't even think about it in a real way. You know, that I mean, that's a deep mother thing, right? And that kind of makes sense to a lot of people. Like, what a mother will do for their child is like beyond measure, right? You, you, couldn't, you couldn't put a cap on it. You couldn't put a, a, a limit on it. But I think, yeah, I think a mother would do that. And is that a bad thing? No, I think that's a good thing, right? She makes that kind of sacrifice to benefit people, her children. Of course, of course, so, yeah, it's just really, you know, I was like, well, I think something good happened in the past life. Because in this life, yeah, I have one hand, but I'm like really happy. <laughs> you know, and I actually use my one hap- one-handedness to spread inspiration and joy and make people laugh. And, you know, and I'm very comfortable with the way that I am. I got no issue with it. So the more I think about it from a Buddhist perspective, yes, of course, of course, I had to let my hand go in a past life. Of course I did. To have this life to look like this, that's, that is the cause similar to the effect. Or actually what we say is the effect is similar to the cause, right? And then if the bigger picture is that I'm very happy and I'm very joyful. So yeah, you know, I know that I did. I know that in a past life I let my hand go. <laughs> and I did it for very good reasons because this life is just so joyful and beautiful and kind. Yeah, you know, things get a little weird. Things get a little weird. But you know what? Generally speaking, I like who I am. I like not having two hands. Now I'm getting all my clothes custom cut to fit my body because I'm into it. You know, I'm into it. I remember this little girl was like, hey, hey, mister, you you don't have two hands. I'm like, (laughs) I was like, hey, thanks for telling me, you know, I, 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 I see that, you know, and, and uh, I was like, what do you think about my sleeve? It's like, it's custom cut. She's like, yeah, you got a short sleeve. I was like, yeah, I got a short arm and, <laughs> you know, little girls. She's like, yeah, that makes sense. She's like, it looks good. And I've had many compliments, especially with my coats, my, my suit coats, suit jackets, and then, of course, like all my coats. I'm starting to get custom cut and people are like, you know what? That looks really good. This guy actually walked out of his way to tell me because I was wearing, I got a slamming pea coat, old school military, not Navy because it's not blue, but it's just beautiful and it, it's cut perfectly. He's like, dude, that looks really good. And that's a great compliment. That's a great compliment, you know? Yeah, I, 
I'm just sharing this with you because this has been in my head lately, this this experience I had at Budanath, Budanath Temple in Kathmandu, and what this woman said and how that always tends to end up negative, you know. Uh, yeah, just now I'm thinking about an experience that I had in Tibet when I was at, at uh, Samye, which is considered the top of the world. It's one of the most... One of the most sacred places for Tibetan Buddhists, uh, and it's in Tibet, and it's just very, very, very sacred place, very holy Buddhist. Wow. And, you know, I'm circumambulating, I'm doing my thing, I'm walking around doing mantras, this kind of thing, and I see a bunch of nuns. We see we're running into each other a lot, and and it's funny because a couple of the nuns look back, and they kind of pointed at my arm, you know, and they lifted up their arms like, what what happened there? And and I pointed at my hand and I implied behind me like, oh, past life. <laughs> and one of the nuns looked up and it, it, she she took one of her hands like a knife and kind of cut through the other hand. And I gave her a thumbs up. <laughs> you know, it's uh, and it's funny because they kind of realized, oh, OK, you know, that makes that makes sense. That makes sense. We see what's going on. It's all, you know, it's all Buddhist science, you know, like the belief system of Buddha. So I'm not, I'm not asking anyone to believe anything. I support whatever it is that you believe. I'm Buddhist. This has been on my mind. And this is the One Hand Speaks storytelling podcast. And I'm just sharing my experiences with you. And often I've said in the past, I normally don't go too far into the Buddhist aspect. You know, you want to learn Buddhism, go to a Dharma center. If you're in Boise, you want to learn from me, you can come to the Boise Dharma Center. I mean, right now we're we're deep in the COVID. We're doing everything online, but I'm just sharing. I'm just sharing, and hopefully you're listening. Hopefully you're listening. And if not, that's okay, too. If you disagree, that's okay, too. I'm not asking you to believe anything that I believe. I'm just sharing my experiences with y'all. Okay, my friends, I think that's long enough. I've had a long, I've had a series of shorter podcasts. This one, this one ended up being long, almost half an hour, almost half an hour. Get out there, my friends. There's only a week left. Don't wait. If you're going to mail it in, do it tomorrow. If you're going to, if you're going to go to a voting booth, get it done early. Don't wait to the last minute. Don't wait to the last minute. We have the opportunity to vote, my friends. Let's make America great again. And whatever that means to you, it means something totally different to me. But that's why I cast my vote. Mask up, America. Mask up. Social distance. Wash your hands. Be kind. Stay at home. Invest in yourself right now. Be an astronaut of inner space. Read more books. Get contemplative. Maximize. You know what? Take the silver, climbing, uh, the silver lining that's there with being quarantined. I know it can be hard. But we have such a great opportunity. I have always wanted to spend more time at home. I'm usually traveling the world or I'm on a two-month Buddhist internship. You know, there were years where I, I would do a two-month internship. It's actually five weeks, and then I'd do a two-week ceremony. There'd be a week of hang time and travel time. And then two years, I, I did that, and then I went on three week-long retreats. Like, all my vacation time is spent at a... Zochin Retreat Center, which I lovingly refer to as the monastery. And I rarely spend any time at home. 
you know? And this is great. For me, there's a quality to it. There's other challenges, but it's like, I have always wanted to just spend more time at home, clean out my, you know, I got 11,000 images on my phone I got to get through. I organized my hard drives of 15, 18 years of digital graphics organized. Yeah, that took some work, but I have the time. And there's other things I want to get in line. I want to read more. So I'm looking at this. I want to work out more. This is an opportunity to really go into myself. Such a great opportunity. Stop reaching outward. Settle, deepen, drop into yourself. And in all that, my friends, it is COVID. It is the coronavirus nation. So, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones. Wear a mask. Get out there and vote, my friends. And then I went with my mom today. We had a great time. We got got a little burger afterwards, you know, celebrate. Celebrate the fact that we voted. It was easy. It was quick. It was warm. It was pleasant. But with that, my friends, let me tell you, let me bring it to an end. Let me bring it to you. Let me bring it to an end. And let me tell you what my mama likes to save. What my mama likes to save. Be cool. No, no, no. She says it like this. Stay safe. Be cool. See, I told you. He's strange and wonderful. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is Alejandro with One Hand Speaks. Find me online at onehandspeaks.com and all your social media outlets. <laughs>